Okay, so I got I get, I gotta focus on something. Okay, so like you ever like got ready to go somewhere? Like I mean, like if you're a girl, like you gotta plan. Like if you go somewhere at 6 p.m., you start at 8 a.m. You know what I'm saying? Like you got the whole day to prepare. And I was thinking about this whole process of getting ready. Because I was thinking about men versus women, you know, all things are different. Blah, blah, blah. And so I was thinking, like, women take getting ready very seriously. You know, like, you ever going to prom? Like, you start Thursday night. Prom ain't till Saturday. But you got to go get your nails done Thursday. Possibly Friday if you're real crazy and you might want to chip one. Like, you take all day. And, like, if you've ever, I ain't, I ain't been married. Not that I'm aware of. But, you know, like, people that, like, go to get married, like, they'll take pictures all day. While they're getting ready. Like you'll see the bride when she wakes up and then like down the aisle. You see every aspect. But then like, you know, the man, like he shows up like 30 minutes before and he's like, oh, let me throw on these suspenders. Like we're good, you know. But like we take that very seriously, like preparing ourselves. And I was like, why is that? Like you're the same person like that you were at 8 a.m. that you're going to be at 6 p.m. But a lot more dolled up and smelling real strong. But, like, that's crazy. Am I right, though? Like, women will take all day, okay, personal experience. Men, like, takes no time at all. I mean, like, unless you're Kenny Nicks, you know, like your hair products, you know, like, you know. But, okay, we're not, we're not going to discriminate you, okay? Aside, aside, aside. But I know that's just something interesting. And so I was thinking, like, this whole process of getting ready, I was like, I don't know. Like, when it comes to Jesus, a lot of people had time to prepare to meet with Jesus, you know, and like the first person that came to my mind was Mary. She had nine whopping months, approximately-ish. We don't know if he was full-term. I think he was, possibly. But she had nine months to prepare to meet Jesus. And clearly that birth plan did not go as she had planned, okay? But she was still satisfied. I think she was more satisfied at the end of that with him in a manger than she would have been in some ritzy hospital place. She was so satisfied with that. And tonight we're going to look at somebody who had just a few moments to get ready to be with Jesus and how quick they made this decision. We're talking about close encounters. And I didn't, I didn't really choose, like, one person. I told, chose, like, a handful. Okay, and it, it all came together. Hopefully I made it somewhat flowable. I don't know. So tonight we're going to be in Luke 23, starting in verse 32. And I'm going to kind of catch you up. So, so far we've had the Last Supper. Jesus has been betrayed by Judas. Peter's denied him three times. Everything has hit the wind in the world. And so now Jesus has already met um, with his cross, and he's now carried it. And now we're going to get to that point. Okay, so in 32, it picks up with this. Two others, both criminals, were led out to be ex executed with him. When they came to a place called the school, they nailed him to the cross. And the criminals were also crucified, one on his right and one on his left. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they are doing. And the soldiers gambled for his clothes by throwing dice. The crowd watched, and the leader scoffed. He saved others, they said. Let him save himself, for he is really God's Messiah, the chosen one. 
The soldiers mocked him too by offering him a drink of sour wine. They called out to him, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. A sign was fastened above him with these words, This is the king of the Jews. So, so far, things have been pretty dramatic. So you have Jesus, he's hung up on a cross in the middle of two criminals who clearly are supposed to be there. And to me, it's just an interesting dynamic, okay? Because we hear about how Jesus ended up there. Um, they, didn't like that, they didn't like all the following that he had for his teachings. People knew that he had not really committed any crimes. People were struggling to admit that he was perfect. And he was just grouped in with these other two cats who had definitely broken the law. And for some reason, we always, I guess we call them thieves, and I don't know why. I don't know. Is it specified that they're thieves? It just says that they were both criminals. So we don't really know what they've done. They could have done anything. But Jesus is just grouped in with them just because he had a following. Oh, I'm shook. Like, can, you, can you imagine just being there? What if you were a soldier that was there and walking him? And I don't know this. Like, I don't know if you've had this realization. But you know that we are the soldiers that mocked him? Like, have you, like, seriously, have you ever thought about it? Like, every time you silence the Holy Spirit and say, no, I'm not going to do this, that's the same thing as hanging him there on that cross. And I'm sorry to just be, like, really harsh, and maybe this is God trying to tell me this. But I can't imagine the shame that I would feel if I walked away. And we're gonna, later we're going to talk about somebody named Joseph who was there when he was hung. But could you imagine? Could you actually say to yourself right now, yeah, I would say some bad things about God, his son, and hang him there on the cross. It'd be totally fine. But every time you walk past somebody in the hall and Jesus says, you need to speak with them, you need to sit with them at the lunch table, and you say no, you say, uh, I'm, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to go sit with my friends. You're doing the exact same thing that they were doing that day. In 39, it says, one of the criminals hanging beside him scoffed. So you're the Messiah, are you? Prove it by saving yourself. And us too, while you're at it. We also say that to God. Prove it. Show me you're actually Jesus. Show me you're God's son. It frustrates me. How many opportunities have we missed with God because we've said, prove it? He has proved it. With a single blade of grass, he has proved his greatness. With the sky, he has proved his greatness. With each of us that sits here, he has proved himself. Why do we continue to say to God, prove it? I think this message is more for me than it is for anybody else because I am guilty of this every day. In 40, we pick up with the other criminal. He says, but the other criminal protested, don't you fear God even when you have been sentenced to die? We deserve to die for our crimes, but this man hasn't done anything wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus replied, I assure you, today you will be with me in paradise. So we see two men who had the same encounter with Jesus, one on his right, one on the left. 
They had the same exact amount of opportunity. They had the same few moments to prepare themselves because they knew that they were there to die. They were sentenced to death. They were hanging on a cross just like Jesus. And they made two very different decisions with their close encounter with God. One took the opportunity to recognize Christ on that cross and accept him there in that moment. And the other said, prove it. And sometimes I think, like, of course, you know, we know that the criminal that accepted Christ, you know, is in heaven. But sometimes I think, like, maybe did that other criminal, like, did he make that real quick decision, like, right before he took his last breath? I don't know. I mean, I would hope that he would hang there with Jesus and really recognize that he was the true Messiah. But I don't know. I think this is a good representation of us. We're hung to the right and to the left of Jesus, and you get to make a decision. And you have an opportunity. Because a lot of us, I think just about the majority of us, come here week after week, Wednesday after Wednesday, Sunday after Sunday. We're all in small groups. You've had multiple close encounters with the Holy Spirit, and what have you done with it? Have you taken the opportunity to say, prove it, God? Show me your real. Or have you said... Remember me in your kingdom. What have you done with your opportunities? Is tonight your opportunity? Is tonight your final opportunity? I don't know. But I think tonight's the decision that you should decide which criminal are you. Just something to think about. We're going to continue on. There's multiple people that have had these last few moments to be with Jesus. I think it's so crucial for us to read about and learn about. In verse 44, it says, By this time it was about noon, and darkness fell across the whole land until three o'clock. The light from the sun was gone. And suddenly the curtain in the sanctuary of the temple was torn down the middle. Then Jesus shouted, Father, I entrust my spirit into your hands. And with those words, he breathed his last. When the Roman officer ever seeing the execution saw what happened, he worshiped God and said, Surely this man was innocent. And when all of the crowd that came to see the crucifixion saw what had happened, they went home in deep sorrow. But Jesus' friends, including the women who had followed him from Galilee, stood at a distance watching. So we hear about the Roman officer. I imagine he was probably one of the ones that was there kind of like instigating the whole thing, probably trying to give him sour wine and all these things. Like, I mean, he was taking part in the crucifixion. But we never hear about him talking a lot to God. He's, I mean, he's got the eyewitness account of what's happening. And in these last few moments of seeing Jesus hang on the cross, he makes his confession that he will worship God and that he wants Jesus Christ to remember him too. And I, until I started, like, preparing for this, I had kind of forgotten about the Roman officer that accepted Christ and that began to worship. But he knew that he didn't want to commit the same sin that one of the criminals did, which was not accepting him, not accepting Christ. He knew that there was a difference, and he knew that the man that was hanging on the middle cross was different, that he was innocent. So I think it's interesting to see his heart change. And when we read like that last verse, 49, it talks about including the women who had followed him from Galilee, stood at a distance watching. (coughs) 
I think God had a special place for women. You see that like in multiple encounters. You know, we've talked about the woman at the well, the adulterous woman. We've read all these kind of things. And God has these very intimate moments through Jesus Christ with women. I think there's something so special about that. I mean, you know, we know that God created women, you know, with a certain image and things. But when we think of like the disciples and stuff, all we think is like the 12 men. But there was these women too. They went wherever he went. And even his mother was there when he was crucified. I cannot imagine being Mary, watching that child that I raised, not to be hung on a cross for something he never did. And you know, like, you ever done something bad, and like you go home, and you're like, she'll never know. Mama don't, don't have to know everything about me. She knows. Mary knew. And she had to watch her son die. Not just like a quick death. It was the slowest, painfulest death I could ever imagine. But these women, and we're going to read more about them, they took such good care of Jesus. Everything that he needed, they had it. Whatever he wanted, they had it. <coughs> I'm hacking up along. It's okay. Just give me a second. Okay. I'm sorry. I got this little like, ear problem, and I can't hear. And now I'm like really hot. Okay. It's fine. Maybe it's just the Holy Spirit. <coughs> okay, now to verse 50. Now there was a good and righteous man named Joseph. He was a member of the Jewish high council, but he had not agreed with the decision and actions of the other religious leaders. He was from the town, I want to say Arithmia, Arimathea in Judah, and he was waiting for the kingdom of God to come. <coughs> Sorry. So Joseph, we also know, if, I don't, when, when we think of Joseph, you know, we just talked about Mary, we also think of like Joseph's dad. Totally different Joseph. Apparently that was a popular name back in the day. But it says specifically he was waiting for the kingdom of God. Like, what great anticipation. Like, you ever like waited for something? Like, when you're small, like you wait for your birthday. Like, that is it. And you wait for Christmas. Like, you are so hyped about it. You know what I'm saying? Can you imagine being that hyped for the kingdom of God? And I'm not talking like, this is what we like imagine heaven, like the pearly streets, pearly streets, the pearly gates and the streets of gold. Like, I mean like being on fire for the kingdom of God, like really building the kingdom of God. Like the world population's like billions of people. That's part of the kingdom of God. Are we out there with anticipation trying to save their souls? Are you? Like, are you that hungry for the kingdom of God that you want to take your friends with you? <coughs> a lot of times I go places by myself, which is real creepy. People don't like that. People get re real freaked out when you go places by yourself. I like to go get my nails done by myself. That really freaks people out. Okay, because they think that, like you're a psychopath if you go places by yourself. Because you're not supposed to go do fun things by yourself. You're supposed to take your friends with you. Okay, I gotta get my nails done by myself because my paycheck is different than everybody else's. But that's okay. It falls on a Tuesday, not a Friday. <sighs> so we can talk to the state about that. It's fine. But when you go do exciting things, you take your friends, don't you? Yes? 
I need a response. You take your friends. Why are you not bringing your friends with you here? Adults, why are you not bringing your friends with you here? Yes, I am guilty. I live with 15 other women, and I have yet to invite one to this place. And please believe me that me and God have had multiple discussions about it. Why? Do you not like it here? Do you not like God? Do you not like the kingdom of God? Are you not hungry for it? Please tell me you have a starving soul that wants more. I want to be like Joseph. I want to be on eggshells every day that I wake up. When I chose my degree, I chose political science as my degree. I didn't want to choose a desk job. I now have a desk job. I sit at a computer all day. It's great, though. I love it. But I chose political science because I wanted to tell people about what I'm excited about. Now, no, I'm never going to get elected. I'm not bitter. I'm not. Jesus, we'll talk about this later. But I am pumped to tell the world. I'm so stoked. I'm not going to have a slogan that says, make something great again. I'm going to say, come with me. So please bring your friends. You don't have to bring them here, but take them to the kingdom of God. Man, I just got real hyped about it. Oh, man. Okay. All right. So in verse 52, he went to Pilate and asked for Jesus' body. Then he took the body down from the cross and wrapped it in a long sheet of linen cloth and laid it in a new tomb that had been carved out of rock. This was done late on Friday afternoon, the day of preparation, as the Sabbath was about to begin. As his body was taken away, the women from Galilee followed and saw the tomb where his body was placed. (coughs) Then they went home and prepared spices and ointments to anoint his body. But by the time they were finished, the Sabbath had begun. So they rest as required by the law. The women are brought up again. They were there, not only at the end, but they were there at the end end. They wanted to be the last ones with his body. They knew that his spirit had already gone to heaven, but they wanted to be with him. They did not want to leave him alone. I can't imagine what I would have done if I was one of those women. I don't really like dead things. I don't like bodily fluids. I guess I'm going into political science, not nursing. I don't like any of that. But I believe if I would have known that that was Jesus Christ, I would have been there. And you know that they didn't have gloves or hand sanity back then, but I would have had my hands on him. How willing are you to go after him? Do you want to be a woman of Galilee and go and be with him in his last moments? Because I guarantee you, he is with you in your last moments. What happens? And I know this is parents' worst nightmare. I know this is my parents' worst nightmare. You get behind the wheel, and you are going up the bypass, and you get hit. What then? I don't think you're going to be able to tell the firefighter, hold on, I can't die yet. I got one last thing I got to do. What if this is your last encounter with him? 
and I'm focusing on the youth, but the adults need it too. How hungry are you for him? Would you be there with him in his last moments? Ask yourself, because this was, this was on Friday afternoon. What are you doing on a Friday afternoon? I'm not saying to not go to a football game, but where are your priorities at? What are you thinking? Are you thinking about the kingdom of God? Or are you thinking about yourself? And I hope, oh, I hope and pray that you don't look at me and think, oh, she's holier than thou, ain't she, on a Friday night. If you ever see me on a Friday night, I'm at my parents' house, and we're normally going to Walmart. That's how I spend my Friday nights. It's real holy-like, you know. Trust me, nothing is holy about Walmart. But I try to bring it there for them. Yes. We've discussed that as well, haven't we, Jesus? You ever feel like you need to be in a psych ward? Yeah, like 24-7, you know. I was driving down the road the other day. You know, Lauren Daigle just dropped a new album. I was singing real loud. Like I said, I like to do a lot of things alone. Driving's one of them. I was singing. I looked to my right. I'm at a red light. This cat is just staring at me. I just rolled down my window. I was like, you, you need some too? I was hungry for his soul and some Lauren Daigle. But I'm serious. What did you do today to share the gospel? Let's get real bold. Did anybody share the gospel today? Let's turn this around. Did I share the gospel today? I don't know if I exactly like told the story of Jesus' death. But I certainly hope that my life lives out the gospel. I really hope so. Because I'm telling you, I'm going to go back to my house tonight with 15 other women, and please believe I'll be convicted that whole 25-minute ride. Because I should have told them where to be tonight. But instead, I left 15 other women who could have been my women in Galilee with me there in Jacksonville. Who should you have brought here tonight with you? Somebody is on your heart that you are convicted about. And what are you going to do about it? Are you concerned with their soul? And I know that seems real creepy and real scary. But are you concerned? Because you should be. I don't know if y'all know this. It's our responsibility to go out and be disciples across There wasn't just 12, because them 12 are dead and gone. I mean, sure, we get to read about them, but now it's your turn. So tonight, I want you to think about it. Were you like Joseph, or the Roman officer, or the criminal, or the women of Galilee who spent every last second with Christ? I mean, they they couldn't let him go. They didn't know that he was coming back, but you have the privilege to know that he would come back. Can you imagine what it would feel like? And I know a lot of us have experienced death and grief in our life, and we know that they aren't coming back. But can you imagine the kind of joy that came on Sunday? 
I mean, you think that, I mean, you know, we get shook about things now. But they, I mean, they would have been to the core. I mean, joyful to see that. I bet it was fantastic to be one of those women to go back because they had to rest on the Sabbath. You weren't allowed to do anything. And then to go and see that your Savior had rose again. After you had just buried him. They were the last ones with him. And then they get to see him? you got to be kidding me. And you have the privilege to know that. And I know we all know how to talk in here. Because you watch. When we try to have you small groups, you won't be able to quiet this place down. So I know y'all talk at work. And I know y'all talk at school. What are you talking about? There is nothing more important than the kingdom of God. I had a professor tell me the other day, I had to repent after my thoughts about him. But he said to me, there is nothing more important than the hunger for power. He said, there's no religious, economic, or social affiliation that you'll ever have that's more important than that hunger for power. He was lucky it was 8 a.m. class. I went quite riled up. But that hit me hard. What's most important in your life? Is it the kingdom of God? And I mean seriously. And I hope if you're in my small group, you are ready to chat it up. Oh, yeah. I, I, I went and told him. I said, stay woke. Because there's going to be a quiz afterwards. <laughs> so I, I hope. I hope they're KP? And I hope that it is tore y'all up tonight. Because I'm telling you, I'm surprised I'm still standing. Because I said to God this morning, prove it. And right now I'm feeling real convicted. But in those moments when you want to say, God, prove it, I want you to say, God, remember me. Remember me. Just change your mindset. And go after those people Oh, my word, and I know, oh, I'm just so frustrated. We all come in this place week after week, and we're not bringing anybody new. And I know we're not trying to fill this place up, but we've got to fill the kingdom of God. People have mansions that are not going to be filled. What are we going to do about it? I pray that each of y'all are tore up tonight. And I know that seems harsh. I pray that you can't sleep until you do something about what's happening in your heart. You don't have to come to this altar at all. Because there's nothing special about these carpeted steps. But I pray that you meet God tonight about what's on your heart. I got two things for you. What's most important and what are you doing for the kingdom? To me, they go hand in hand. And which criminal are you? Let's pray. God, I am a nervous wreck for what you're going to do in this place tonight. I feel like I was not prepared. I even wrote, God, humble me because I am scared. I am ill-equipped. I'm unprepared, and I am not qualified 
that God, you have showed up here tonight and I cannot believe it. I pray tonight that you would just rip people's hearts out. God, I know that seems really harsh and really scary, but your son, he died a really harsh and a really scary death. And he did it for us. He did it so we could be in paradise with him. And I don't believe it's like any other paradise, like some kind of tropical place. I believe that it is everything that we could have ever imagined and more because God, we can't comprehend your greatness. I'm so ready to see what you're gonna do in this place, God. You've already started speaking to people and I pray, oh, if they try to silence you, that you would not let them leave this place until they hit their knees in repentance, God. And Father, I pray this same prayer for myself. And if I'm convicted about something or I need to talk to you about something that you would not let me leave this place without doing that. I pray for rest and for peace for this group of people, God. They've come and they have wanted to hear something and I hope that you have delivered to them tonight, Lord. Whatever they needed to hear, I pray that you gave it to them. I pray that you'll speak to us now and break our hearts for you, Lord. In your name we pray, amen.